to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. I have an incredible episode coming at you today. Today I'm chatting with Kelly Tennant, who is the host of Ceremony Wellness Podcast. Kelly has an incredible health journey, and she was a college athlete, got really sick in college, eventually found her way to a more functional medicine approach to help heal. She was a sports television host for 10 years, had an amazing career, and then relapsed into her sickness again and came out of it, quit her job, and decided to pursue a career in health, wellness, helping other women heal using a functional medicine approach combined with Ayurveda and spiritual development. She is just so up my alley, and we met for the first time when she came to San Diego and we podcasted together in person, which was so much fun. And we just have so much in common and really similar health histories. We actually even went to the same functional medicine doctor in LA, Dr. Lakos, who has been on this podcast as well. So make sure you listen to that episode too. But we just have so much in common and she is so incredible, so down to earth, so spiritually and emotionally aware and I love the work she's doing. I think it's so cool that she is combining Ayurveda with a functional medicine approach and the whole spirituality side of things. So we definitely had a lot in common in terms of the the woo-woo. We also both love our natural remedies for things. And this week, I want to tell you guys about a brand that I love and I've been using for years just as a way to support my immunity, provide natural energy. And I feel like this is the best kept secret. I mean, it's not really a secret, but if you haven't used these products, you need to. If you haven't heard of Beekeepers Naturals yet, you need to try it out because this stuff, game changer, game changer. A lot of us know that honey is known to be a superfood, but I don't think people realize how healing honey can be when it's properly sourced, but also that there's a full range of bee products that have incredible health benefits. This is honestly nature's gift to us, and I love Beekeepers Naturals because they're a wellness company that specializes in creating nutraceuticals that are made from the healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients so that you can support your health in a natural way. They have a whole line of effective supplements and remedies that will solve a number of different modern health issues naturally, which I'm all about. I first heard about Beekeepers Naturals when I was in college. Actually, Carly, who is the one behind this whole brand, Carly has a really incredible health story herself, which she will be on the podcast soon, so you'll hear more about that. But she reached out to me when this was just 
a small company just getting started and asked me if I wanted to try out some of the products and I was looking into it and was super interested, but I couldn't at the time because I was on a candida diet, so I couldn't have any honey. Um, and then later on, when I had, you know, gotten out of that, I looked back into the brand and I started seeing it pop up all, all around. And then I was seeing, you know, a lot of people who I love and respect and follow talk about the company, including like, you know, Wellness Mama, Chris Cresser. And I'm like, okay, I need to try this out. So I got my hands on some of their propolis throat spray and just started using it every day as a dietary supplement. And it is a staple in my apartment. Anyone who's been in my apartment and like feels sick knows I shove this down their throats because it is amazing and I take it every day but especially if you feel like you're getting sick or you just need a little extra immunity boost um this is the product you need you just spray it in your mouth and the magic is done they call this product the bodyguard in a bottle which it definitely is but propolis has incredible germ fighting properties and it has over 300 beneficial vitamins, minerals, and compounds. So it really is nature's ultimate defender. It's great for both prevention and immune support. It can also help to soothe any sore throats, coughs. So this is just a staple that I think everybody should have in their natural remedy cabinet. Plus, bee propolis is also great for combating free radical damage. So if you're stressed out, hello everybody in 2019 definitely start using this stuff. It's also really easy to take on travel. It's TSA friendly. It's in a little spray bottle that's small enough. So I bring it with me everywhere. If you travel a lot, you need natural immune support. I really, really recommend trying this stuff out because it is amazing. Another one of their products that I have been taking pretty much every day, I discovered this one more recently, but I've been using it every day for a while and I love the effects, is their bee-powered superfood honey. And you just use this like a supplement. It's a blend that's super healing and it includes propolis for the immune support. It has royal jelly, which is great for your brain health, also really awesome for the skin. It contains bee pollen, which is really energizing, and of course, their signature raw enzymatic honey. So not only does it taste delicious, but it has a ton of incredible health benefits, and since using it every day, I just take a teaspoon every morning. It's a supplement for me. I have so much more energy. I feel like my brain is clear. I feel like I get that extra immune support. I was actually joking with someone the other day because I was around a couple friends who were super sick, and I'm like, don't worry, I just... I don't get sick. It's so rare for me to ever get sick because I just feel like my body is so resilient because I protect myself with all of these things. And I love this stuff. So the bee-powered superfood honey, you can drizzle over smoothies, yogurt, my signature cinnamon roasted veggie bowls, put it on some sweet potatoes, wink, wink. So you can drizzle it over something or you can just take it as a supplement, which is often what I do. So I just take a little teaspoon, plop it in my mouth, it's delicious. You can also use it as a face mask. If you just mix a spoonful with some water, apply it to your um, freshly cleansed skin. This is one of the like oldest tricks in the book for natural skin remedies, but you need high quality honey, and this is truly the best on the market. But if you use that face mask, just put it on for 15 to 20 minutes, rinse it off, and your skin will truly be glowing. Also great to get rid of, prevent breakouts, helps with scarring, all of that is incredible. So those are just two of my favorite products. They have a full range of other incredible products. They have their bee pollen, which is incredible for energy, 
filled with B vitamins, a nice source of protein, amino acids, helps with muscle recovery. They also have their B-Lixer, Brain Fuel, which is a total must if you're a biohacker. It helps to enhance your memory, your performance, cognition, without any caffeine. So if you want to feel like your brain is on fire, check this stuff out. They have their Bee Chill Hemp Honey, so you can get all of the health benefits of honey plus that chilled out effect from the hemp that's infused in the honey sticks. And they also have a really delicious superfood cacao honey. If you like chocolate, highly recommend. I just am obsessed with these products because they work. <laughs> they are just like a supplement to me. I have been using this throat spray in particular for years and love it. And since discovering their other products, they're just a part of my daily routine and they taste delicious. And as you know, I'm super picky about quality sourcing the people behind the brand. And Beekeepers Naturals is a brand that really stands out. If you're going to have honey, you better be the best and this is the best. So if you want to try out any Beekeepers Naturals products, just go to beekeepersnaturals.com CRW and with my code CRW, you will get 15% off. So again, that's beekeepersnaturals.com CRW, B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash CRW. Use that 15% off code, get yourself some bee propolis throat spray, some bee pollen, some bee-powered superfood honey. You will be set. Your immune system will stand up against everything. This is a game changer. And trust me, whenever you get sick, you always want to make sure you have some of this in your cabinet. And in the meantime, just support your immune system every single day. I love 2019, how we have just harnessed the power of so many natural remedies. Absolutely love it. Speaking of which, Kelly's story that she's about to share is going to be really inspiring. I'm sure a lot of you will connect with this. It will resonate with you. She talks all about her natural approach to healing and just incorporating everything from functional medicine to Ayurveda to spiritual practices. I can't wait to hear what you guys think about this. So you can find more from Kelly at kellytenant.com, K-E-L-L-I-T-E-N-N-A-N-T dot com she's also on instagram at kelly m tenant and make sure you check out her podcast ceremony wellness we recorded an episode for her podcast as well so i'm not sure when that will be out but stay tuned because hopefully it'll be out in the next few months or so but in the meantime you'll have this episode to enjoy so without further ado here is kelly tenant let's start um at the beginning of of your health journey like where did that begin for you who um very similar to you. So I had, I was always the sick kid growing up every month. I got cold or flu Mm -hmm. always. And then my senior year of high school, I had pneumonia for four months, kicked my ass. Then that same year, four months, I just processed that after like three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was bad. I don't know what like the normal time for pneumonia. I mean, I had pneumonia for a week. Oh wow. And I thought that was horrible, but okay. Yeah continue then that's okay and then my freshman year of college at usc i had mono for eight months and it started during the fall season when i was playing Mm -hmm. and then it lasted the entire spring season Mm -hmm. and i gained like 35 pounds and i was super puffy and it was really bad i couldn't do anything i was exhausted obviously it's mono yeah (laughs) then i came out of that and i was in the best shape of my life lost all the weight was killing it in the, in the weight room. I was co-captain of the team, Mm -hmm. all these things. And then 
all of a sudden it was like April of my sophomore year and going into junior year and my left leg completely went numb and dead. I couldn't stand up straight. I was in pain from head to toe. I couldn't see. Um, everything was really blurry and I was just so exhausted. Five steps was so much for me. I was out of breath. Did that happen just like overnight? Overnight. That, no what did you warning think of that signs. moment? I'd be like, am I dying? I was so panicked. I remember it was Easter and I was at home in Temecula with my whole family and I was standing at the island in the kitchen and all of a sudden my left leg just completely gave out and I almost fell to the ground and my mom was k- cooking and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know, but like something's wrong. Yeah. Went back to school that next week and we were getting ready to go on a two week tour of Europe to play. And so... We were like panicking. I, you know, I'm captain of the team. Like you can't not have me play. And it yeah. was this whole thing. So they're like every doctor under the sun. And I start seeing all these people and they're like, we have no idea. And my coach at the time said, look, like I remember this exactly where I was when she called me and she said, look, I don't know what's going on, but something in my gut tells me this is the last time you're ever going to play volleyball. And I really want you to have this experience. And thank God she said that because it was the last time I ever played. So I got like nine bottles of pills and a few epidurals and I went on this trip and I was like completely numb the whole time, which I played out of my mind. I was amazing at volleyball. Oh my God. (laughs) It was so funny. Like imagine playing a sport without any pain. Yeah. You feel like fucking superwoman. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It was so great. And I thought, oh wow, can I live my life like this? Like it was great. The whole plane ride to London, I was, I was sleeping. I was in no pain. I'm like, this is so easy. I don't know why people complain. It's because I was on all these drugs. So anyways, I play, get back. It gets way worse. Obviously I come off of some of those drugs, which is, I started feeling things again. And so I started seeing all these doctors, neurologists, um, people thought I had cancer, broke my back, torn a disc, all these things. No one could figure it out. I just kept getting more epidurals and taking more pills. And I was on Lyrica and um, cause they were trying to nerve block because of the pain in the left leg. They couldn't like figure it out. Finally, I'm like bedridden this whole time for six months. Couldn't go to practice, travel, nothing could barely go to class. My teachers were amazing. They just let me pass. They knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then in December of that year, right after my team went to the final four, it was like so cool, you know, yeah. every athlete's dream. And then I go to the doctor, I see a rheumatologist and he's like, you have fibromyalgia. You're never playing again done like bye and I was with my mom and it was so hard it was like my whole life was ripped away from me in one day and also what the hell is fibromyalgia yeah and he didn't even really know he just like poked my body and was like yeah you have enough pain points you have this thing here's more Lyrica and here are painkillers and antidepressants and all these things this is what you're gonna need for your life now Um, and by the way, it's really weird that you have this thing at 19 because usually it's 50 year old women that have this. So then I'm thinking, okay, this is really weird Mm -hmm. and no one at school knew anything about it. And I don't know, it was bad. And so for the next two years I had to come off my volleyball scholarship. I became a quote unquote normal student and I was just on these drugs. And then when I turned 21, I just, something in me said, this isn't right. I I shouldn't be living like this. I'm so young. Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't sustain this lifestyle. So I decided to go holistic. So I cold turkey got off everything. And I just started researching how I could use food to help me heal. And so I started being vegan and vegetarian and I cut out all alcohol for a few years. And I really got strict about my life. And vegan was actually good for me to start 
because it got all the processed foods out and I was eating more vegetables and fruits, but I was eating a lot of grains and legumes and um, not having meat just didn't sit well for my body. So at first it was great. And then I got bad again. So I was like, okay, that doesn't work. Now what do I do? And so I, I found paleo in like 2012 and that's when things started to shift. And then after that, I found the autoimmune protocol and I just like dove into what Dr. Sarah Ballantyne was doing and Mickey Trescott. And I lived by their every word, everything they said to do. I did. I didn't question it. I was just like, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad because my whole life changed. Like the autoimmune protocol was everything to me. And so I basically did that from probably 2013. And I still kind of live in that space. Um, even though I've healed my gut for the most part and I don't deal with what's been going on, but I still felt like there were pieces missing mm-hmm. and I wasn't fully healed. So when I found Dr. Lekos in summer of 2017 through Jordan, um, she just gives him all the she, business. I know she should be yeah. his uh, marketing manager. That's how I feel. <laughs> and now I'm giving him all the yeah. business. I'm like, you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. Um, so okay, he saved my life. I'll do anything <laughs> for know. that man. I agree. Um, so I saw him and he's like, we spent two hours together, you know, he's mm-hmm. a fucking gem. Yeah. And, um, we cried together and it was like this mm-hmm. really sweet moment. And I was like, I love you. And he said, you don't have fibromyalgia. There's no way mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I'm like, okay, then tell me what I have. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you know what Epstein-Barr is? And I was like, no, I think I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. He's like, you've never been tested for that. And I said, no. And he was like, and you had mono for eight months, your yeah. freshman year of college. And <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh dear God. Yeah. Thank you. Western medicine. So he's like, I think you have Epstein-Barr, leaky gut, SIBO, mm-hmm. um, and like a few other things, chronic fatigue syndrome. And I'm like, okay, great. So let's do all the testing. So as you know, it's like stool tests, urine tests, breath tests, blood tests, and everything he said I had and more. I have the MTHFR genetic mutation. Um, I had way too much bad bacteria. And so my body was just in like total havoc. I was having some thyroid and hormone issues. And so we started working on all of that. And I just like slowly got better. And, um, we put ozone therapy in there and just, we really ramped up the autoimmune protocol. Like I got really strict with it again, Mm -hmm. which made a huge difference. And I was just sleeping and taking care of myself. And then I was introduced to Ayurveda Mm -hmm. through Jordan. And, um, I started incorporating that into my life. So really detoxing and helping support my liver and my lymphatic system and, you know, drinking room temperature water instead of ice cold water and, um, cooking a lot more of my vegetables and, um, just the entire lifestyle around Ayurveda mm-hmm. and using the Abhyanga and the massages that really helped. And mm-hmm. so I basically have just been able to merge the autoimmune protocol with functional medicine and Ayurveda mm-hmm. to create the life that I live now. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything. It was, that's how I saved my life. That is super interesting. Okay. Let's go back yes. further. There's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, I mean, when you get told you if I were fibromyalgia and you can't play volleyball. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that affect your sense of identity? I lost it Mm. because so I'm six one. I've been this tall since I was 12. Really? Mm. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was really good at volleyball at an early age. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was being recruited at 12 by Stanford Mm -hmm. and everything in my life was about that. I was Kelly Tennant, the volleyball player. I was on the cover of volleyball magazine. I was, this person and 
everything about me was wrapped into who she was and that being my value and level of importance in the world. Even though I knew I was smart, even though I knew I was hardworking and a good leader and that I wanted to be on television since I was 10, I was very clear about my career path. It's why I chose USC. Mm -hmm. It did not matter Mm -hmm. because the attention and the validation I got was always through volleyball. Mm -hmm. And when you're 19 years old and you don't really know yourself or where you fit in the world, Mm -hmm. When your one thing where you feel comfortable is taken away, game over. And for me, you know, we talked in my show about you losing your friends during your health battle. I lost my friends as well. And unfortunately, as an athlete, you don't have normal friends usually. You only hang out with athletes. And my only girlfriends were on my team. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to communicate or verbalize what was happening to me because I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, guys, I'm super fucked up. My body hurts. I can't see. I'm really depressed. I want to die. Let's go hang out. This sounds super fun. No, it was not happening. Well, and then also, because a lot of the symptoms that you dealt with and also some that I dealt with, it's like you you would try and express people how you're feeling like everyone's everyone's tired everyone is stressed out and sad and depressed like Mm -hmm. move on it's like no like (laughs) i'm serious seriously yeah so i just i lost all my friends i lost my social life obviously the guy i was dating thought i was making it up um which that's never good or healthy and um yeah i just didn't know who i was and so that time was really really painful Mm -hmm. And even though I had started dabbling into television and I was covering the teams at school and, you know, I was getting opportunities to grow Mm -hmm. as a host and a reporter, it still wasn't enough for me. I still felt this like huge void in my body, like almost like shame or guilt around it because I just thought, how did I go from being one of the best in the country to now I can't get out of bed? What, Mm -hmm. what happened? Did you feel like that was your fault? I don't know. It's funny. I've actually never thought about it in this way, but that's coming up for me right now. And so something's telling me, yes, Mm -hmm. I do think that there's some shame around it. And maybe it's because now that I've done all this work, I'm 31 now Mm -hmm. and I've done all of the mind body connection. I've done a lot of the emotional work and the unpacking of why I got sick. I believe I got sick because I wasn't being authentic to who I was and I never took care of myself. I took care of everyone else and Mm -hmm. I felt this immense burden and pressure to do so. And Mm -hmm. the, you know, you talk Mm -hmm. about being a perfectionist and type A, I'm very much the same way. And so I think my body literally shut down to protect me. And so I think that I do feel some shame around the way I was living my life that then forced this extreme disease to come in Mm -hmm. um in order to like shake me awake Mm -hmm. and put me on this path and I'm grateful for it but I do think that yeah there's a little bit of that there Mm -hmm. which is interesting I've never thought about that until today yeah I mean I think a lot of people carry that with them like when they struggle with an illness specifically women yes oh for sure you know and I was actually having I mean a very different scenario but I've had a few conversations with women recently around miscarriages Mm -hmm. and like how women feel like it's their fault, you know, and this incredible sense of guilt and shame and like, but it's not your fault. And they're like, well, my body betrayed me. And it's the same with illness where it's like, we feel like my body's betraying me because I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is also the Western medicine paradigm, right? Like, well, you did X, Y, and Z and that caused that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I was just it, it, yeah, and I think it's it's an important reframe here. And mm-hmm. so the way I would like to think about it, or or I guess the way I do think about it, is that it was my body giving me a gift. Mm-hmm. It was actually this amazing thing that I think what I do 
is possible because I do have a strength that a lot of people don't. And I think similar thing for you, like you're basically put on your deathbed weighing 75 pounds, Mm -hmm. um, in so much pain and agony, but look at the work you do now and the way you help and serve people. A lot of people wouldn't have been able to handle that. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that a gift that we have is to be able to be that voice and be strong and overcome those obstacles Mm -hmm. in order to help other people do the same. Yeah. And so if you reframe it into being a gift and not like this shameful thing that you did to yourself, then I think that, you know, that's the most important thing you can do. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, but I think it takes, you go through that experience, right? It's like, we look back now and you can see it. And then that helps you color experiences you have Mm -hmm. now. But in that moment, it's really difficult. And like for how you're saying, like your identity gets stripped from you. And Mm -hmm. it's like, so how did you start to build that back up? And how do you start to make other friends? You know, it's, it's, it's always a strange thing when you're an adult and you're like, how do I make friends? Mm -hmm. You know? So Mm -hmm. what did you do to start building up like your identity? Yeah. So, I mean, this is the funny thing is when you're young, you don't really understand what identity is. Mm -hmm. And so I went from being Kelly Tennant, the volleyball player to Kelly Tennant, the TV reporter. Mm -hmm. And I just kept wrapping myself around these external identities, Mm -hmm. which at the time was fine. I guess I needed that. Um, But I I started working for ESPN right after I graduated from SC and um, was working for them. I moved to New York. I was doing high school sports in the city. And then I came back to LA and I was doing the Pac-12 network. And then I got this job at Time Warner and I was doing the Lakers and the Dodgers and So my identity for so long was wrapped up in who I was as a reporter and a host. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of attention for that. And so that made me feel good. So it was almost like a distraction from Mm -hmm. like all the pain and the sickness. And then in 2017, I got really sick again, like basically bedridden. I had to go on disability from work and that eventually led to me quitting my job five months later. But I think that my body again shut down for me to see that I was once again wrapping my identity into things that weren't for me. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't authentically living for myself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't protecting myself. I was in a toxic environment. Um, I didn't feel fulfilled. And so my body again was like, Hey dude, we're not going to do this. So we're going to stop and force you to stop. And you're going to sleep for the next five months Mm -hmm. and you're going to rethink your entire life, Mm -hmm. who you are, how you show up in the world, the work that you do, the way you are interacting with people, the relationships you're in, and then we'll let you come back out. But for now, you're going to live in your apartment and not see anybody. And so then when I, when I was super sick during that time, I rethought my whole life and I was able to come back out as the person I wanted to be, not for anyone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, you quit a huge job like that. People are going to be like, you're insane. Mm -hmm. So I lost a lot of people. Basically everyone I worked with, I do not talk to anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I lost friends and I really sort of detoxed my external life, which detoxed internally. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to come out like so fresh and as the person I had always wanted to be, but was too scared to be. And so my identity now is wrapped up in who I am as a human and my heart rather than what I do. I don't think of myself as a podcaster. I don't mm-hmm. think of myself as like this wellness person. Mm-hmm. I really think of myself as someone who is kind 
and takes care of people and can show up for them and Mm -hmm. puts myself first and takes care of myself and is good in relationships and is great at holding space for people and those kinds of things. And it feels so different than being, you know, this thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I'm like this soul having a human experience. That's, that is my identity now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's so fun. Like we're so similar. I know. The same thing happened to me where it's like, I got better. And then I was like, you know, I felt like I was on a more authentic path, mm-hmm. but then I like relapsed again. I got so sick about, I don't know, six months ago. Mm. And that's why I like moved out here. I was like, I'm dying right now. Yeah. And then it was like, again, it was like, you know, we, <laughs> we fall down and we get back up and then we go back to like the same pattern mm-hmm. and then it's going to kick us down again. Well, don't you don't, I mean, I'm sure you believe this. The same thing's going to keep showing up in mm-hmm. your life until you heal that yeah. or you work through it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when you were um, do, doing the reporting, did you during that time feel like, no, like this isn't my yeah. authentic self. You knew that at the yeah. time. I just, you know, it's hard. Like I said, you get a lot of attention being on TV, especially a girl in sports and man's world. It's, mm-hmm. it's you're hot, mm-hmm. great legs, yeah. this, that, then blah, blah, blah. And so when you're young, though, it's like you want to hear those things because yeah. you think that makes you special or yeah. whatever. When in reality, it doesn't. The next girl's going to come and they're going to say the same thing to her. It had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a tough lesson. And I think I just never really enjoyed myself I enjoyed some of the interactions that I had with the players and like these really special moments that I would have with like Landon Donovan in like these really intimate interviews or you know with Magic Johnson a sit-down interview that stuff like really drove me and made Mm -hmm. me feel good or the conversations I always talk about the conversations I would have with the players or the coaches when the cameras weren't on. So I'd just be like hanging out in the locker room of the clubhouse and we'd be having these really intimate conversations about their family or their child or something hard they were going through. And those are the times that I lived for. But then 99% of the time we weren't talking like that because there was a camera shoved in their face with a microphone and you have to talk about stats and, you know, the storyline of the day or whoever got traded. And it's like, I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. I just... I wanted to authentically connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just felt like this isn't me. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't feel like I was making a difference in the world. And that was really painful for me because I always, I told my mom starting when I was young that I wanted to be famous so I could help people. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool. Now I'm famous. I'm on TV in LA and I don't feel like I'm doing anything for mm-hmm. the world. It's like such a waste of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, now you get to have the conversations on air that you actually want to have, yeah. right? I'm curious, do you notice a difference in the way you approach relationships, like specifically friendships now versus before? Like I know for me, I feel like I'm much pickier about who I am friends with mm-hmm. and the depth of my relationships is so different. Like I don't small talk anymore and I realize that everybody who I was friends with before I was 20 it was basically just all surface level, even when I thought it was getting deep. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you've noticed a change in the type of relationships you have now versus like that whole time period. Completely. I do not mess around. Um, <laughs> so I'm very introverted. Yeah. And so I have very limited space for others and time and energy to be in that. And knowing that now, which I never knew until a couple years ago mm-hmm. and being like a highly sensitive person, no when I go out into my day, I want to be surrounded by people that make me feel good and uplift me and not drain my energy. And I noticed that a lot of my friends were like these energy vampires that just like took from me. And 
I was also in very codependent relationships, whether it was romantic or with, you know, girlfriends Mm -hmm. where it was like, I need you. I I have to talk to you. Like you make me whole. And it was just, that's not healthy. And so I've slowly over the last year, year and a half been like letting go of those relationships. And I feel so much better. And I think for me, I love spending time with my girls. I have a really close knit, amazing tribe of women that when shit hits the fan, they show up so hard. They are there. No questions asked. What do you need? And I'm so lucky, but I also am so much better at honoring myself and the time that I need alone to recover. And so I think when you show up differently in the world and you create boundaries for yourself and you respect yourself, other people will do the same. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, people don't know how to react. And unfortunately, most people are not woke. Like you said earlier, you know, people are oftentimes just going through their lives and they're not self-aware enough to understand that. So what you can do if you feel like you are more self-aware is to you show up in the world with those boundaries. You create those things. You show respect for yourself. And in turn, what you're doing is you're not only teaching people how to respect you and your boundaries, you're teaching them that they can have boundaries too and not feel shame around that. Mm -hmm. Did you receive any pushback when you first started drawing boundaries and letting people go? Because I think sometimes it can be difficult to go from someone who doesn't really have clear boundaries Mm -hmm. to like suddenly you are. And then people at first get a little offended often. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get into like any altercations or like weird text combos, but I think people were sort of taken aback and like, Oh, why don't you want to hang out? Or why don't you want to do this? And now I kind of joke, I don't get really invited to a lot of things because I'm not like the fun friend that's going to go out and party with you, or I'm not going to like do boozy brunch with you on Sundays. Um, It's rare occasion that I would. And so people just know that like, I'm not that person for them. If you want to hang out and have an amazing conversation and like have a great dinner, and have wine together and do something like that. I'm your girl, Mm -hmm. like all the time. Um, But I think it's just people learning to understand you. And yeah, you're going to get pushed back. And I mean, I got pushed back when I quit my job. People thought I was a nut job. They're like, what do you mean? But that ended pretty quickly Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, she's like stepping into this whole thing and like doing what makes her happy. Like who's going to question that? And if they do, they're not meant for you anyway. Yeah, when you quit that job, um, like, were you at a place where like, I know this is what I need to do? Or when you made that decision, were you still kind of like, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go for it. I was scared, but I knew for okay. sure. And I, I love, I love my boss, um, Jared, who he's the reason that I got my job in the first place. He was one of my producers at ESPN. And when he went over to Time Warner to start the Lakers channel, I was 23. And he called me one day and he said, Hey, I just got this new job. I'm basically running the Lakers new channel and I need you to get better fast so I can hire you. And I thought he was crazy. And he hired me two years later and it was amazing. And so he's the one that I had to tell I wasn't coming back. And it was so painful because he's like a dear friend and also a boss. And I was shaking before that conversation. I had been gone from work for five months and I, I left for personal reasons. So it was like kind of confusing for people when you don't tell them like the whole story of what's going on. And we just got on the phone and, and he was like, what's going on? I couldn't even talk. I was crying so hard. And he's like, Kelly, whatever it is, I got you. Just tell me what's up. Like, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And I just said, I can't come back. And he's like, it's fine. I got it. Called HR, did everything for me. He like showed up so big. And I was just like, so relieved. Mm -hmm. But I also realized when you are authentic to yourself, when you do what you need to do, 
people can respond in that way. You give them permission to do what he did. Mm -hmm. And it was a really beautiful learning lesson for me of like, yeah, this is uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good. And it's really scary because I'm leaving like, you know, I'm making a lot of money in a big job and I'm just piecing out. But I know that I'm doing what's right for me for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And all signs were pointing to doing this. And I just had to trust. And I'm so glad I did because the way people responded in that moment, it proved that I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Big risk, big reward. That's right, girl. Yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying this chat with Kelly as much as I enjoyed having it. She's such an awesome girl. And Kelly is all about a very holistic approach to health and wellness. And we both love exercise and movement. I think that's an important part of a healthy lifestyle. And when you're gonna live an active lifestyle, it's really important to be comfortable in the active wear you're using. You want something that feels good, looks good, is functional, lasts a long time. And that's why I love Sweaty Betty Active Wear. I'm also all about companies that are about supporting and empowering women. And Sweaty Buddy is one of the only activewear brands really focused solely on women. Their brand is all about giving back to build a community of strong women. And they have a 98% female workforce, which is pretty incredible. It's a family-owned business. Their founder, Tamara Hill Norton, opened up her first shop in Notting Hill in 1998 because she just wasn't satisfied with the women's sportswear on the market. And her mission was really just to build a business that was run by strong, creative women. She wanted to empower her customers, make them feel amazing, wanted something that was comfortable, functional, and would inspire women to live an active lifestyle. And since I am someone who lives in workout clothes, I live in active wear, it's really important to me to find the highest quality products out there. And Sweaty Betty is top quality. Sweaty Buddy's power leggings are definitely their standout product in my opinion. They're made with really high quality fabric and really flattering seam lines that help to really lift your butt. They've got a high waist and an adjustable draw cord so the leggings offer really great support and they are the perfect fit. I love that they're specifically designed to sculpt, support, and stretch and they're really made for every single sport from running to yoga to Pilates to lifting weights. Whatever sport you do, these leggings will not disappoint you. They're also quick drying, so if you sweat, they'll dry really quickly, get rid of any of that sweat, and they're also squat proof, which is very important. So they sculpt your butt, they pass the squat test, and they will make you feel amazing. If your leggings do not pass the squat test, this is a serious issue. A lot of leggings do not pass the squat test, but these ones definitely do. I cannot recommend them enough. These are their best-selling leggings for a reason. They've even won awards from Self and Women's Health. I'm not lying when I tell you every time I wear these leggings, I get a compliment on how my butt looks. They really, really help to sculpt. I think it definitely helps that they have an all-female design team that is really into fitness. They're all fabric obsessed and they test every single piece in-house with in-house athletes across the whole Sweaty Betty team. So from their finance, to their marketing departments, and they do that to make sure that the activewear really performs to the highest and would really impress anyone, including Kate Middleton, who has said she's a huge fan of these leggings. I love the way I feel when I wear these leggings. Not only do they look amazing, but just physically they are like wearing nothing. It feels like they are the most comfortable things in the world and 
you can wear them when you're doing anything. So I've worn these on hikes. I've worn these to lift weights. I've worn these to do Pilates and yoga. They work for everything. I wear them when I'm lounging around at home and also when I'm going out, which is why I'm obsessed. I'm so picky when it comes to activewear. I've tried pretty much every type of legging and I absolutely love these. I could live in them. I cannot get over how like soft and smooth the fabric is and how it stretches easily, but it still keeps everything firm and tight and sculpts you. Whenever I'm walking around in San Diego, I, cause you guys know how I just go on my walks. I swear to God, people ask me what leggings I'm wearing. Whenever I'm at the store in line, people will ask me. And you can just tell the quality, like these are gonna last me forever, which is really important to me. So I cannot say enough good things about these power leggings. So if you're interested in trying them out, go to sweatybetty.com slash podcast and use my code wellness to receive 20% off of your purchase of any full priced item. So again, that's sweatybetty.com slash podcast, S-W-E-A-T-Y-B-E-T-T-Y.com slash podcast, and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, to receive 20% off of any full-priced items. You will not want to miss out on that discount, these leggings, all of our activewear is so incredible, so comfortable, and you're going to love it. All right, now that I've reminded you about Sweaty Betty and their amazing clothes, let's hop back into this conversation with Kelly Tennant. Well, okay, I want to dive more into the, the health stuff. Yeah. Because um, this is obviously so interesting I to know. me. Let's start off with, okay, I'm really curious what your opinion is on the fibromyalgia diagnosis because mm. this is a very hot topic in functional medicine. Mm. Um, and having been diagnosed with it, I'm curious how you feel about that diagnosis in general? Yeah, I have mixed feelings. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But things that you can't test for, I'm like, I don't understand. So the fibromyalgia test is a pain point test. Mm -hmm. There's no blood test, saliva, Mm -hmm. stool test. And the problem is when you just do pain points, it doesn't tell you the whole story. Mm -hmm. So what I believe a fibromyalgia diagnosis is, is this an umbrella term for like 12 other things that are actually happening. Mm -hmm. So like, sure, I could say I have fibromyalgia, but I have Mm Epstein-Barr, leaky gut, SIBO, Mm -hmm. MTHFR, and chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. I guess all that fits under that. Yeah. My problem with fibromyalgia outside of the functional medicine community is that doctors give that diagnosis because they don't know what's wrong. Mm -hmm. They see usually a woman who is around her fifties, who is depressed and in pain and tired. And because they don't know how to test you, they give you this diagnosis. Then they prescribe you Lyrica and antidepressants and send you on your way. Mm -hmm. It, I mean, it reminds me of IBS completely. And I had, I had quote unquote IBS my whole life. And I'm like, holla, I had SIBO. Thanks so much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, so people say, Oh, I was diagnosed with IBS. Always diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I'm like, okay, but like, why? Exactly. Like also, I don't think it's a diagnosis. I think it's a symptom, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a difference between like, let's get to the root. Let's get to the root. Um, See, I was just kind of curious what your whole, yeah. I mean, it's a very touchy subject for people. It is. Because it's not that it doesn't exist, but it's like, there's a reason why it's there. Like there's something deeper. So, but, and here's my other thing. And I can't remember who I was talking to. I was on their show the other day and they were really trying to not offend me because they don't have chronic illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really funny. 
I'm not easily offended. Yeah. Either. I was like, just say it. It's okay. I'm not either. So. They're like, but isn't fibromyalgia psychosomatic? Like, I'm not saying that you made it up, but did you make it up? Yeah. And I was like, actually, it is psychosomatic. Yeah. I believe that all disease is caused from emotional trauma and stress. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, mm-hmm. but like, that's not offensive. Yeah. The problem is people don't understand the mind body connection. Yes. And so if you don't understand that and someone says, well, this is psychosomatic and you should probably go to therapy, you're going to be like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. How dare you tell me that it's because, you know, yeah. maybe I was raped or mm-hmm. maybe I was abandoned or, you know, something horrible happened. Mm-hmm. Like, when you start making those correlations, you start understanding like the whole story. Yes. Well, I don't know. It, no, exactly. And <laughs> it reminds me of like placebo. Like mm-hmm. people are like, well, it's placebo. So not real. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's placebo. If it works, it works. Exactly. It's like crystals. I'm super into crystals. Crystals are, are placebo, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with like an illness. It's like, just because I don't know, people want like, I, I fall, I break my leg, it's broken. Mm-hmm. Like if I have some gut issue or um, I don't know, if I have a thyroid issue, like whatever I have, right? Like if there's not a clear cause, it doesn't mean it's not real, right. you know? So I always tell my friends when they're having a bad day, I'm like, find a crystal, shove it up your ass, it's going to be fine. Yes. Like, <laughs> whatever. Like if something advice. makes you feel better, exactly. like use it. It still works. Yeah. You know, like I don't really get why it matters if it's placebo or not. Actually, yeah. it's something that Dr. Ballantyne was talking mm-hmm. about. I was at the NTA conference and she talks about oh, that. So jealous. Yeah. I freaking love her. Oh. Um, She's hilarious. Have you met, you've met her? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's Have like you, my dream. Oh, I'll, she's been on my show. We Can should, you make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll connect you guys. No, she's super sweet, but yeah, she's great. Yeah. But so let's roll into AIP because yeah. I want to talk more about that. And, um, so you were just very strict AIP. Yeah, I was. And for how long did you strict AIP? I've done it a few times. The longest, I think, was nine months. Mm-hmm. And that's when I felt the biggest difference. And okay. you know Mickey Trescott. Yeah. Um, she was on the show. I think her episode came out yesterday. Um, and she has this new book, The Nutrient Dense Kitchen. So mm-hmm. if anyone needs a great AIP book, it's the jam. Anyways, um, I she and I were talking about how long to do AIP and the way I teach it now, I'm really trying to get people to do it for a minimum of 90 days. And that's kind of her thing. She's like 30 to 90 days at least. But what she and I were talking about is we came into it so sick. Like Mm -hmm. if you're bedridden, 90 days is not going to fix you. Like you have to go for like six, nine months if Mm -hmm. you can. And yes, it is, it is, um, strict and it is sort of a dramatic way to live. But what happens is the more time you take to do it, the more you're going to heal. Mm-hmm. And something Dr. Lekos had said to me, I was getting better. And then I cheated. And I think I had like wine or coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like shit. And he goes, he's like, so what are you eating? And I said, well, I had this and I was following the protocol. And he said, look, I understand that it's hard, but every time you cheat, you go back to zero. Mm-hmm. You inflame that gut the permeability like increases again and you have to go back to where you started. It's not worth it. If you can do this AIP for six to nine months, you're not going to have to really do it again unless you go overboard and start eating horrible things and you have some trauma or stress in your life that reactivates it. You really do feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've done it for nine months. I've done it for three months. Sometimes I'll just go back to it for like a week. If I feel like I need a little reset, like I've been having too many nuts or drinking coffee or whatever. And I'll go back to it for a week and I already feel a difference. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. You know? So upon reintroduction, what have you discovered? Or like, have you discovered main foods that 
trigger you? Yeah, I still can't. So I didn't have eggs for two years. I just started having eggs earlier this year. Oh my God. I was like dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> eggs so and ketchup. Well. Oh my God. Ketchup, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like how do I live without ketchup? <laughs> the funny thing is Mickey still can't have ketchup. She can't have tomatoes. That's like so all sad. these years. Um, yeah. And dairy is still a huge trigger for her. But um, yeah, I feel if I have eggs every day, I feel the brain fog mm. um, for sure. Yeah. And then um, coffee is still hard for me. And in Ayurveda, I'm pitta, which means I have that heat in my body. So things like coffee and alcohol and spicy foods, Mm -hmm. they trigger the heat in my body, which then triggers a lot of the inflammation and the pain and the fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so I still have to be really cautious of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't do well with nut milks, um, at a high volume. So I was trying to do this cleanse that was like bone broths and kind of nut milk shakes. Mm -hmm. And I liked the concept. It was owl. Oh yeah. 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 I've Betsy told me about that. Oh yeah. (laughs) I love, I love their stuff. I think it's great for people. I personally couldn't do it. I felt really bad after the first day. Mm -hmm. Um, not that that means people shouldn't do it. I think it's great. It just, for me, the concentrated amount of nuts or seeds in a milk, it's so many of them. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are things that still bother me and I don't do pork because it is really hard to digest. And in Ayurveda, that's a lot of what we learn about is that you want to make it as easy as possible on your digestive Mm -hmm. system. So I just learned how hard pork was to digest. And I just kind of took that out, which is actually a really big part of the autoimmune protocol. So it's, I do a little different version mm-hmm. of that but I'm curious how like how you landed on AIP because I was like kind of hearing people's stories because there are a bunch of different healing diets I suppose yeah. um and so what was AIP versus like I mean I don't know SCD low FODMAP keto like what brought you to AIP Google. That was just the first thing that I think you that, I think that I looked up like fibromyalgia or autoimmune disease and I just randomly stumbled upon Sarah's page the paleomom.com mm-hmm. And she was so, I wasn't woo woo at the time. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's a scientist. So she's very scientific with yeah. all her stuff. And I, it resonated with me and she explained things so thoroughly and in such an amazing digestible way that mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I can do this. Like she's got the list. Yes. No, maybe mm-hmm. here's how you do it. Here's how you reintroduce. I'm like, shit, I can handle this. Yeah. Like I feel terrible. Someone's giving me an actual protocol to follow. This makes sense. I had never even heard of like a low FODMAP diet okay. or gaps or anything she was my gateway into all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I was having horrible trouble with fruit at the time too. And so she introduced me to the low FODMAP diet and having less fruit. And so I didn't have fruit for a couple of years. Um, and then I was able to reintroduce it. And then I tried keto as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that works great for three or four weeks. I just Mm -hmm. don't feel it's sustainable. Um, but yeah, she was, she was really my gateway into it. And I just randomly stumbled upon her, which I'm mm-hmm. so grateful. Thank you, angels. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like super obsessed with you integrating like a- this AIP-ish Ayurveda, mm-hmm. like, I don't even know what to call it. I, I don't like either. Need, I haven't like, come up with a name maybe, yet. Maybe we can think of a name. Yeah. But yeah. I love it. Like you need to brand that for I sure. Um, I want to learn more about that. Like how do you do with like grains and legumes like those are Mm -hmm. typically a bigger part of ayurveda so do you incorporate those i do now but Mm -hmm. i've healed my gut Mm -hmm. and so the way i teach it in the course that we have that's live right now is that it's mostly an autoimmune protocol but i take things out like fermented foods and kombucha um ice like you can't have ice cold water smoothies um on the protocol and i take pork out Mm -hmm. um there's a few other things that of course I can't think of right now, but, um, 
I believe that you can do a version of Ayurveda that doesn't include grains. And so when I first started going to Surya Spa, um, they feed you lunch every day and they feed you rice and dal and, mm-hmm. and greens. And I couldn't do the rice. It was so painful for me. Now I can have rice like three or four times a week and I'm fine. I don't have pain. And I've had to do a lot of work to get there though. And same with legumes. Like I'm okay with lentils and I can do a little bit of hummus mm-hmm. um, maybe a couple times a week. But if I do it too much, it's just my body can't handle it. And so mm-hmm. I think when you're incorporating Ayurveda, For me, the Ayurveda aspect is more about cooking your vegetables, Mm -hmm. knowing which vegetables are going to heat your body up Mm -hmm. and tell people which those would be. Yeah. So it depends on your, um, constitution. Yes. Thank you. I can't think of words. (laughs) I'm like talking about brain fog while I'm having it. It's never good. Like coffee. Yeah. What's going on? We're breaking all the rules. Um, Depending on your constitution, for so for for me and being pitta, things like strawberries and bananas are actually very heating, um, and anything spicy. So I tr- really try and avoid like jalapenos and peppers and things like that. Um, where were, where were we going with that? I got distracted. I was just asking like wh- which foods. Oh were yeah. Ho- ho- oh, and then people. things like coffee or caffeine, mm-hmm. um, alcohol, and so. Oh, what I was gonna say is that people with autoimmune disease usually your immune system is on fire. Mm -hmm. And in order to get that fire down, you have to have cooling foods and you have to use things like curcumin and turmeric and bone broth and all these things that lower that fire. Mm -hmm. And that was part of my issue that Dr. Lekos addressed because he thought I had MS. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did all the testing and I didn't have it, but we were trying to understand this left leg pain. Mm -hmm. We're like, this doesn't make sense. Um, And I don't know if he ever put you on low-dose naltrexone. He did. Yeah. Did it help you? Nope. Oh, interesting. It helped me a ton. The reason is low dose naltrexone lowers the the heat basically of your body and it takes your immune system fire down. And so what we found is that my immune system was on fire, which was causing the neurological effects of the left leg. It wasn't something like MS. And so I started feeling my leg again and it was getting stronger. And so I was able to get off the, the LDN after maybe four or six months and the, the effects stayed, which yeah. was awesome. But I think incorporating, you know, cool, more cooling foods, mm-hmm. cooking my food, um, and not having a lot of those triggers was really important for that. What about, um, like animal products? Cause I know typically they recommend less animal products mm-hmm. or you have the same. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So have you heard of Dr. Cabral? Yes. I love him. Have you read his book? Oh yeah. He Barrel. was on, you should listen to my podcast with him. Oh, you I did. I think okay. he might've put it on his podcast. I don't remember. He told me he was going to put it on there. I don't oh, nice. Did. But, um, yeah, I love him. Yeah. He was on my show last month okay. and I'm obsessed with him. I'm doing his, um, integrative health practitioner program right oh, now. Oh, Awesome. You'll yeah. just tell me how I'm it is. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, and so what he and I talked about and then talking with Dr. Lekos and Marta, it's not about being a vegan. It's be, it's about being plant-based and incorporating the right kinds of meats. And so Dr. Cabral, believes in about six, maybe 10 ounces a day of meat. That's Mm -hmm. super clean. Um, And so that's how I live now. When I was doing paleo and the autoimmune protocol, I was so high meat. Like I was having bacon and sausage in the morning and then I was having salmon at lunch and then a a big burger at night, maybe two burgers. I really upped the meat and I just think that it like slowed my digestion down. And so now I try and I'm like, I'm, I wouldn't, I would say I'm a vegetarian 75% 75% of the time, okay. which is such a change. Mm-hmm. Cause I would say I was a vegetarian before 10% of the time. Mm-hmm. So now it's just my plate. It's really focused on vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes rice mm-hmm. and then having good, 
clean cuts of meat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important because there's so much nutrient density within the right kinds of meat. Mm -hmm. Um, And even Mickey and I were talking about liver and, you know, she makes this amazing pate. Having things like that, Mm -hmm. there's so many nutrients that you can't get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And for people that have chronic illness, the amount of energy you can get from something like liver is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So I think it also, it's just like our bodies need different things at different times. Healing, you know, versus, I mean, also... I look at like the carnivore diet right now, mm-hmm. right? It's healing for so many people, yeah. but I'm like, just because it's healing you now, doesn't mean you need to be there forever. Totally. You know, um, even me, it's like the, I just, I look at like the, all the different things I've, I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, I can just tell my body needs different things at different times. Mm-hmm. So when it's learning to honor your body and get yeah. really quiet with it. And that's why I like eliminate elimination diets mm-hmm. is because it forces you to really reflect on how something's making you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's hard for people to tell that because sometimes we get brain what we want yes. versus what body wants. Right. So how do you start to tap into that difference? Mm-hmm. I think um, journaling is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. Because what journaling does, and this isn't just for food, it's, you know, for emotions and experiences as well, is when you start writing things down every day, you start seeing themes Mm -hmm. and you start seeing the way your ego plays into it versus what you just are sharing from an emotional heart standpoint. (laughs) And so when you start seeing that kind of stuff, and then if you write down, okay, I had eggs today, brain fog, you know, three, three hours later you can see that like three days later, you also had eggs and you also had brain fog that day. Mm-hmm. Then your ego can't get in the way and be like, no, eggs are fine. You should have them. It's like, no, actually there's a direct correlation between my brain fog and eggs apparently. So that's something that I can't have. So I think documenting it is really important because sometimes things are just in our head and we find a way to rationalize anything. But when it's written down, you look at it and you're like, damn, yeah, I got to address this. Yeah. This must be the truth. <laughs> Radical honesty. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. I also, I want to get into this whole like mind body connection more mm-hmm. because I know you're really passionate about this. And it was like also for your transition of like, okay, AIP. Now I learned about Ayurveda, which mm-hmm. I feel like is the, a great gateway into like emotional, spiritual, yeah. right? Because that really combines everything. So how did you like fall into that? Was it really Ayurveda that got you interested in that whole aspect of things? Or like what further work have you done to unpack kind of like, I mean, we talked about inner child work yeah. and all that. Yeah. So I met my first healer who actually was a really good friend of mine um, when I was 21 mm-hmm. and he was a Reiki healer. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time. Yeah. That was the first time I was introduced to this idea of energy healing. And I thought it was so weird because mm-hmm. I wasn't into this at all at that time. Yeah. And he was the one that started having conversations with me about he's, he was the first person to say, I don't think you have fibromyalgia. And I thought he was wacko. And he just kept talking about like things with my family or experience I had had or, you know, stress and anxiety and, and the fact that I don't breathe. Like even right now I I'm holding my breath (sighs) and I I can feel it in my chest. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't breathe. And so he was the one that started explaining to me how this could be causing a lot of the chronic illness stuff. And then it started to make sense to me. And I thought there's something here because after I see him, I feel so much better. I feel like I'm in my body. And a lot of what I felt when I was younger and I was suicidal when I was 12 and I was trying to constantly escape is I felt this pressure in my chest and my head. I would always have headaches. And I realized now that I was my my spirit was trying to leave my body out of my head. I was constantly trying to escape, which was creating a lot of pressure on my head, which caused a lot of my headaches. Once he was able to ground me back in my body, my headaches went away. Mm -hmm. And so I was grounded. 
I was able to breathe. He taught me how to breathe. He helped me see like that connection again. And I just thought there's something here. And so I started over the years, slowly seeking out different people like this. And over the last two years is when I really ramped it up. I've seen so many shamans, psychics, intuitive readers, mediums, and more Reiki healers. And I realized that, um, when you tap into experiences that you've had, it unlocks a lot of other things and you can release and you can forgive and you can work through things that then allows your body to calm down. It's kind of like the same thing with like your immune system being on fire from foods. A lot of the time, I think that your, your body is on fire because you're dealing with all this emotional stuff. that's like popping up here and there and all over the place, right. In your fascia and in your organs. And once you're able to start releasing that stuff, things start calming down and you're able to be back in your body and grounded. Absolutely. And like, I know it's hard for people to accept it in terms of woo-woo talk, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what it is. But I mean, if you want to be technical, it's the freeze response. It's your body's caught in the sympathetic state. Mm -hmm. And this happens to people in childhood. You know, you have some experience and then you're just trapped there. Mm -hmm. You can't get out of fight or flight. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, are there any big experiences like past experiences you had to work through that stand out in your mind as like I needed to work through that unlock that to be able to heal like things that happened in your childhood yeah for sure I actually I just um had my first ayahuasca experience a month ago and that was super healing and something that came up for me there um that was kind of trippy my mom had a my mom with me had like a very traumatic birth Mm -hmm. and she almost died and I was taken away from her Um, and put in an incubator in the ICU for like three days and didn't see her at all. And she was literally like dying, had 105 fever, staph infection on all these drugs, like really scary. And then once I was able to be with her, she couldn't breastfeed me. They wanted her to breastfeed me, even though she was on morphine. They were like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's fine. It'll dilute by the time it gets to the baby. And my mom's like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Like she at least had the wherewithal to know that wasn't a good idea. But there has been strain in my mom and I's relationship. We've always been really close, but in a very codependent way as well. And I could never understand like what was going on. And I realized during my experience in the medicine is that I wasn't held and I wasn't breastfed in the first days of my life. Mm -hmm. So when I was in the medicine, I was rocking myself Mm -hmm. for hours, Mm -hmm. like sitting, sitting like, on my butt with my legs wide open on the floor like this wow. for hours or I would lay on my side and I would just rock myself back and forth. Oh my God. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. And I knew that I needed to be rocked. Yeah. So I called my mom on the way home from Santa Cruz and I said, um, can you tell me again about what happened like after my birth and the whole thing? So she tells me this, which I had never known this part of the story about being in the ICU and that she couldn't breastfeed me and the whole thing. Energetically, I think that I felt like my mom didn't want me. Mm -hmm. So my whole life, there's been this codependence and me needing to prove that I'm worthy of her and never wanting to disappoint her. That was my greatest fear in life. And constantly calling her, asking her questions for her approval, her to make decisions and feeling like I needed to be enough mm-hmm. in order for her to love me. And and ha- and being rocked for me is how I feel taken care of and loved. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't as a child. And so it just like 
sent me to a different place. And so that's one of the most healing things. I was able to let go of this story that was there Mm -hmm. and really see it for what it was that she was actually protecting me, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that I felt like I was being rejected. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. And I think the other thing is that I don't know how woo woo your, your people are, but I'll go there too. Go for it. So yeah, yeah, I can tell you are. (laughs) I'm Um, I'm all the way there. (laughs) So I did a a past life regression Mm. and I saw that it was like the 1700s. And I was like the medicine woman of this village and I'm walking out to the village like center and all of a sudden I watch my husband get shot right in front of me Mm. and he falls to the ground and he's bleeding everywhere and I try to save him and I can't save him. And it, it was the most painful experience. I was on the table just sobbing, like feeling like it had happened again. It was crazy. And what I realized that in this life, I keep picking men that need to be saved or taken care of mm-hmm. because that is almost my karma or the thing that I feel like I need to write mm-hmm. is like, I need to be able to save them mm-hmm. and letting go of that and knowing that it's not my job has been so powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing to do because not only in that life did I experience that, but I think a lot of what I learned from my grandmother, my mom's mom and my mom is that a lot of our value and worth is wrapped up in the way we take care of people, not in who we are and what we actually have to offer the world. And so it's rewriting that story for myself and knowing that my value is not in how I take care of someone. It's, mm-hmm. it's in who I am, you know, in my heart and it's not my job to fix or save anybody. Mm-hmm. So I think those those two things were really the biggest shifts in my life. I have chills. I'm so appreciative that you would share that. I this is why I fucking love past lives. I know. And I've never had I've had quite a few people on the show before who I've done Reiki with, but none of them want to talk about their past lives because oh, it's like too revealing, you yeah. know? Um but this is a perfect example of like why I fucking love them because this is what people it's hard to communicate how it can be so healing like like I don't care about my past life mm-hmm. no because you figure that out and what you take into this life yes you know yep um oh my god okay also I'm curious like just in your body like right now when you're like mm-hmm. rock like how does that feel for you in your body like does that bring things up now when you're making that motion it makes me feel good mm. yeah and I realized um so I haven't slept well my whole life And I was able to make that correlation that weekend that I don't sleep well because I wasn't rocked as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it now affects me even now. So when I got back from ayahuasca, I actually rocked myself like every night, even though it was like kind of weird when you're conscious and not in the medicine. I was like, clearly this is something I need. And I was just like rocking myself. And it felt in a lot of ways, I didn't feel like I was taken care of and held. And so it was like, clearly I need to hold myself. Mm-hmm. to reparent in a way. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 my parents are great. I love them. They, they took amazing care yeah. of me, but there's little things that happen in your life that really impact you. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that, well, I wasn't held when I was little. So now I need to hold myself to like rewrite that pattern. Similar to the, the tantrum I was telling mm-hmm. you about when we were recording earlier is I needed someone to see me and hear me mm-hmm. and hold me really about being held for me and so if I can if I can reframe that or change that experience now as an adult then it heals that past experience Mm -hmm. have you found that I know you talked about like that past life and how that affects that you're the type of man you're you attract Mm -hmm. but do you feel like that has also made it so that in relationships you 
something within you where it's like you're nervous that i mean you came from a life where he was shot in front of you yeah and then i'm just wondering if now in relationships you kind of are scared that from the beginning like is something gonna happen to him yeah no so my last relationship is when I did this past life regression. Okay. And so it made a lot of sense for kind of what we were going through and, and I understood it and coming out of that relationship as well as the past life experience, I now know the kind of partner I have to be with and attract energetically. And that I, I have now broken that pattern of codependency and also the savior mentality. Okay. And so I, I consciously go out in the world and, you know, I, it's funny, like I've been joking with my girlfriends about manifesting this, this man that I want to be with and journaling about it, praying about it, talking about it. And it's all about rewriting that script I've had for myself for so long. And it's not about, I don't want someone who's codependent. It's about, I want to be with someone I can co-create with Mm -hmm. that is individual and whole in themselves that can help lift me and, and grow with me rather than what I always used to do is I need to be with someone to complete me and I need them to let me save them in order to feel loved and valued. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you told your mom like what you just explained, um, like about that experience? Like, does she know all that? No, not yeah. yet. And um, I should probably do that before this comes out because she listens to everything. I <laughs> oh, do. really? Yeah. No, um, she knows that something, I told her something came up for me that weekend, but I had just left the retreat when I called her. So I wasn't ready to share um, because I was still putting things together even up until the last few days. Like yeah. it's still, you know, I think I was going to, it takes over a year yeah. to really integrate um, what you learn and see. So I want to sit down and have that conversation with her because I think my mom, when I called her she and I said, hey, can you tell me what happened? She's like, what did I do now? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I think that my mom has this like really intense burden when it comes to me. I think she thinks she like fucked my life up because I was so sick and she fed me gluten and dairy growing up and she always kind of jokes about it, but I know she's not joking. I know that she feels like she failed in a lot of ways and she didn't like, she was a great mom. And I think that me in me telling her that story when that happens, I think she's going to cry first of all. Yeah. But I think that she, she is going to feel a huge weight lifted off of her mm-hmm. because in a way I'm forgiving her for something she never really did wrong, mm-hmm. but it's this like idea I always had. And I think that it will release so much of that tension between us. Mm-hmm. That was always like l- underlying that was there. We didn't understand. And she's, she hasn't done the work like I have. She doesn't see what I do. Um, I think that's the beauty of us kind of healing ourselves. We also heal our parents and past Mm -hmm. generations because we are self-aware enough to do that and willing to do it. And I think it's just going to, I think it's going to relieve a lot of that stress and that pain that she's been carrying. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I totally understand that. My mom was the same. Mm -hmm. You know, she wants to understand why, Mm -hmm. why did you get sick? Would you figure this out? And as I put things together, you know, for example, when I explained to her, how a C-section can sort of set you up for completely messed up gut health. I mean, she just started crying. She's like, just another thing I did wrong. Like you tell me I fed you the wrong food. Like I get, you got a a C-section. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's not blame. Like this is just like 
all of us becoming more aware mm-hmm. just to build a greater world in the future because it's like we learn from these things um and then the more we learn it's not about like i'm blaming you it's like okay now we can spread awareness exactly. so that people can improve in the future mm-hmm. but uh, does your mom um i know she, you said she doesn't know everything you're doing but like is she like understand the woo-woo side she does so, yeah okay. so her mom passed away like 10 years ago from breast cancer mm-hmm. and she was really close with her mom she lived in our house when i was growing up <coughs> excuse me um but i was really close with my grandmother and so whenever i do spiritual work and people come forward my grandmother is there a lot mm-hmm. and she's she always has messages for me or things she wants to share or just to show that she's there and so i tell my mom when those things happen and she cries every time and she knows just how legitimate it is and not that she wants to have a personal experience with a psychic or a medium but she knows that that it is real and she can feel that. And I think it gives her a lot of kind of peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And my parents are great. My They're very, um, you know, conservative, Republican, very different than I am. I've never really fit in that mold with my family. And they're not woo-woo. I was raised Catholic. And um, so I think it's kind of funny for them. But my dad works for me. And so he, he do, he's done the audio for my show since okay. we started. And he's he listens to all these people on my show and the funniest part is that he takes what they say and he'll listen to them and i'm like homie i told you that two years ago like let's go but he won't listen to me but he'll listen to them even like health stuff and you know so i think that they they realize how much happier i am and that i i love this stuff and it makes me feel better and at the end of the day that's all a parent wants is for Mm -hmm. their kid to be happy so they're open to it not that they're going to practice it themselves and they'll definitely laugh at me when i say some of the stuff i do but Mm -hmm. They think, you know, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just to wrap up, Mm -hmm. what is, this is a hard question, but I know you're ready for it. We're prepping. (laughs) What do you think is like the biggest lesson you've learned from this whole experience? Like from the fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. to, um, kind of relapsing again, quitting your job, finding Mm -hmm. to where you are now. Like what is just kind of the overall like message you got from that within yourself? Mm Mm-hmm. That I have to choose myself. I never chose myself. It was always about making other people happy, doing what other people wanted, making sure everyone was taken care of. And I always was the one that dropped off by the wayside and and was like in shambles. And the second I started choosing myself and saying no in my life is when my whole world shifted. And it's always going to come back to advocating for you and doing what's best for you. And, you know, it's exactly the conversation of put your own like oxygen mask on before you put the one on next to you. Mm -hmm. You can't help other people unless you help yourself. I show up in the world so differently when my cup is full to help others and serve them than when I am completely depleted and trying to give still. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy. And so now I choose myself every day. I have my routine. I work on me in order to be better in every kind of relationship I have and to show up for my community in the way that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. I think everyone needs to listen right? to that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Thank Kelly. you. This was awesome. Thank you so much to Kelly for coming on the podcast. I hope you guys love that as much as I did. She is an incredible woman doing so many amazing things. And if you're not already following her or listening to her podcast, you absolutely must. You can find her on her podcast, Ceremony Wellness. It was previously 
the platform podcast and she recently rebranded to ceremony wellness so look up ceremony wellness on itunes and stay tuned for when my episode on her podcast comes out and in the meantime you can also follow her on social media at kelly m tenant and check out her website kellytenant.com let her know what you thought Okay, thanks again for tuning in, you guys. Make sure that you leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Share this podcast episode. Tag me, tag Kelly. Let us know what you thought. And if you're not already in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, just search for that on Facebook. I will add you in and it'll be a party. You can get to know other listeners. It's going to be great. Okay, I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.